So uh, good morning, everyone. So thrilled to be here. My name is Sonia Montiel, College Confidence Counselor. Just honored to be with my friend, Hillary. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. My name is Hillary Bilbrey, and I am an inspired living strategist. And we are so excited to invite you to come on in on some of our conversations, our authentic conversations on motherhood, life purpose, and personal growth. So getting on that, starting with that idea, this is a strange time for us right now. We have COVID-19 going on. And so how do you grow? How do you parent? How do you find your life purpose? What what are we even doing? How are you doing in the midst of all this, Sonia? How are you and your family? I mean, it's just like the, it's just that awkward start. It's the the seven the seven stages of grieving in terms of first denial. You know, um, when we had to rescue our daughter at, for college out of state, we had four days to drive out there, move her out, then come back within a four day turnaround. It's a thirteen hour drive one way. Um, you know, kind of that was the initial response of it all, then settling in home, which was a honeymoon phase almost for all of us to be together. And, you know, me being a college counselor, I'm dealing with a lot of families who have teens trying to navigate life as a teenager, as a parent, and then this future that can't, we can't see the future currently. So I feel blessed to have my family. We're all healthy. Um, our families are healthy, um, but I am feeling a lot of empathy and compassion. So knowing you, Hillary, you have three teens in the home. How are I you? do. Oh, that's, thank you for asking. I, I do. I have a freshman, a junior, and a senior, and the junior and the senior are really th throwing me for a loop right now. Uh, not not them, but their life path and what's next. And especially with your field, I'm sure I would love some input from you. You said mourning and grieving. We really are going through that as a family. My senior was due to have the second half of his of his year, his senior year, it was supposed to be great. It was supposed to be prom and no prom. And their school doesn't do a prom junior year or any other year. So you have to be a senior. So it's not just the loss of senior prom. It's the loss of any prom. And, and while I look back at my proms and I'm like, okay, no offense to any of my dates that may be out there <laughs> at the moment, but like, it was a fun night and it wasn't maybe the everything I had it built up to be, but there was still something special about it and there's a rite of passage. And so there's mourning there and wanting to take pictures. And I don't know who's more sad, him or me, because I had this vision of his friends coming over and the pictures and, and then, you know, graduation, there's such a moment there of pride and he's done such amazing things. And to watch him walk the stage, to have our family come together for that, to celebrate this achievement that's a group achievement really I mean it's him he did it but we've all poured so much in and, and it's sort of this benchmark I was telling one of my friends the other day there's two parts of this one of it is is all of these senior activities are these little things that help us let go a little more each time until we're finally ready for them to leave we sort of have these these moments that help us let go a little bit and they're all gone and then on top of that, to have the uncertainty of 
you know, we have this benchmark of graduation, celebration. We made it this far. Nobody's pregnant. Nobody, you know, all of that. And, and then we look, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so funny. And, and now what does he do? What, what does he do? What does he, what's going on with college? What's, does he accept? He's like, am I going to pay the money and go to this college out of state or is it even going to be happening? What's happening next week, let alone in the fall? I mean, that's what are you advising people? I mean, you know, even to, I mean, so today is we're in April and um, the normal deadline for seniors to select their college and commit is usually May 1st. But the amazing thing is that colleges are also showing a lot of compassion. So many are extending that deadline to June 1st. But even, even just looking, even just saying those months, many families can't even get there. They can't, they, they're, they're watching on a daily basis their teens idle. Um, and when you talk about, you know, watching your senior and, and the loss, I'm frustrated sometimes with the conversations like, we're only talking about prom and glitter and ceremony, like worse things can be happening in your life. You know, at least your family's healthy. And yeah, we totally, I know you get, we totally get that. But humans, we're, we're, we breed in communities. Like we, we need our, our villages to, to uplift us. And not only for your, for us as a family unit, you know, raising this child to become this young adult, but I think about your teen, the community that he has built within his high school that has lifted him and pushed him and pulled him. Maybe he's the one that pulled and pushed to celebrate together, to say, we did this. Yes. My group that I created did this. Yes. And that's a lot. That, that's a loss. Um, so right now, what I'm telling um, or what I'm supporting families with is that rite of passage. I, I reflected because I, I have a 19-year-old. So I went through the honor of going through these sages in her senior year, and I really reflected on what that meant to me as a parent. These little milestones or markers is so important. It was important to me. I didn't know it at the time, but watching my daughter go through the senior week events, ordering the cap and gown, um, having her get ready for prom, et cetera, et cetera, to graduation, I was preparing myself emotionally to let go. Like, oh, oh, the time has come. So it was an emotional, like, I depended on those things. Right. And, you know, how do we redefine these rituals when there is no, there, there is no, I mean, I know we want to be hopeful, but we know that these things are not going to happen. Right. And that, that's one of the truths. There, high school aren't all of a sudden going to say, oh, we changed our mind, here's ceremony. And so redefining what those rituals are, um, that's what I'm supporting with families now. And, and then, of course, we'll talk about the next steps when it comes to college path. But what do you, how is that conversation happening in your home right now? That's such a great question. And it's something we've thought about and we haven't, again, the uncertainty is part of what's difficult. We've said we are going to find something. The something is a little bit out there. We've talked about a family trip. We've talked about, I mean, he still will have his cap and gown. So do we do a ceremony here for our family? I think what's important, and we're still having that ongoing conversation. And I think that's the important thing. Have the conversation. Don't be afraid 
to open it up. I'm not sure. I'd love ideas. If there are people out there that are doing something great, I would love to hear what it was. And if, if you have an idea too, but I think honoring our children's spirit and marking true accomplishments, you know, this isn't one of those, everybody gets a trophy moments. This is one of those true earned moments that deserves to be marked. And I think it doesn't have to be Pinterest perfect, but it needs to be something and it needs to be honored. And it is, it's a, it's a rite of passage and those rite of passages to some degree define who we are when we stack them up over time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's tan the tangible, that's why I call markers. It's, they're very tangible in our progression and our, our personal growth and development. I, I, as parents, you know, it's like, did we do a good job? Right. How do I measure if I if I'm doing okay? You know, and high school graduation is a pillar, and I I feel, I feel, what's the right word? Just I do feel empathy for you to have not have what I had last year, um, where all the parents are looking at each other and like giving our you know during graduation we're all giving our nod like we're we're doing a good job. <laughs> yes, yes, they made it. They made it. <laughs> um, so. And some of the ideas too, it's I'm really hyper focused on keeping things teen centered. Like any ritual in regards to these markers of finishing high school has to be so focused on the teen. And um, I shared this a little bit. Um, there is a, a campaign on Facebook where um, people share their senior pictures, like on behalf of teens not graduating or seniors not graduating. And to me, that's not, to me, that's not the best idea because I wonder, okay, I'm a senior and I'm looking at all these old folks, all right, and I'm seeing their senior pictures, but how does that relate to, to me and my experience today? Right. And th that's where I love to have conversations about ideas of let's celebrate these moments and teens um, and young adults, their, their presence is like right here. It's very present. It's very today. Yes. Which is something they can teach us as adults. Like, we don't always have to think of future, future and be all hyped up on it. Let's just be, what's going on today and how can I celebrate? One of the, one of the things I loved about what you do, Hillary, is, um, and explain a little bit more, the, the virtue statements or what you've done for your kids during February every day. Do you want to explain more about that? I just think that's one of the a great ideas to happen right now. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and I have a, I have putting a pin in something too that you said that really sparked something as well. So I'm going to come back to that as well, going to the teens. So I want to come back to that as well. But thank you for that. I, I, so there are these words, these virtue words, and that's something I'm so passionate about seeing not just the outside of someone, but getting to the true heart of who they are and their character. We can tell someone they have nice eyes but they were born with those eyes, unless they're wearing color contacts. But for the most part, you know, what you have is what you were given in that way. And we're all born with these virtues and then we can develop them and our experiences develop them and we can work on them and so on. But telling a, a teen or, or any person, any child, I see your confidence and the way you show that is, or I see your courage and this is how you practice that is so powerful because it speaks to the heart of who they are as a person and it helps them to be seen beyond the outer portion of who they are. And so one of the things I was sharing with Sonia that I do in December is 
and uh, sorry, I said December, February, and I, uh, for Valentine's Day, is I cut a heart for every day of February, and the kids wake up. And in the morning, they have a new heart on their door with a different virtue and how they show it specifically in their lives. And it's so funny, even my senior, I'll go into his drawer and put socks in in the morning or whatever, and he's got them uh, a loop ring, you know, those clips that you have, and he's hole punched them and he's saved them. So they're meaningful. They speak to who they are. So I think that that is so important to really get to the heart of who they are because that's so much more powerful than any of the surface outside things that we can do. Right, exactly. Um, and then remind you had a pin on something else that you wanted to do. So yeah, no, and thank you for that. I would the the pin that I had in it when you were talking, you are so right. And it's funny because I did put up my senior picture, but it took me a lot longer to do it because I was like, I'm not sure how this relates. I think there's a bunch of adults just having fun right now. And so I was like, okay, it's fun, but is it really in support? And when I was, when about 10 years ago, I was on an airplane with a guy that was one of the most fascinating people. Sometimes we need to do a whole show just on the things I learned from this guy because he was he just like blew my mind. He did blew my mind, but he was a philanthropist. And so he was someone who has donated money to putting solar panels on the roofs of schoolhouses in Africa. And I was like, wow, that is so amazing. That's teaching someone to fish, you know, the old parable versus giving them a fish. You're, that's, a, that's something that's going to help them beyond just that moment. And he goes, yeah, except for first you have to find out if they eat fish. Oh, wow. Didn't see that. Oh, my right? Snap. He went on to talk about all of these well-meaning people that this is what you need. This is what you need. This is what you need. And they, they found all of these nonprofits and everything else because you need shoes in Africa. No, I want to feel my feet on the ground because that is literally what keeps me grounded wow. to the earth. That is what I want. Don't give me shoes. Mm -hmm. Ask me what I need. And that was a life-changing moment for me because I realized what a lack of humility it is. We have a lot of things that are going on right now where people are trying to pour in and be kind to the seniors. And there's a lot of good intentions. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but you made a point that I think is so important. A lot of the questions from the districts right now are to the parents. Parents, what do you want to do for your seniors? Who's asking the seniors? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And how do they ask the seniors? What do you, what do you think about that? You know, I, and that's one of the, the larger umbrella issues that I see is that we're not giving enough voice for our teens. And they, and what happens is that the teens then believe it. Oh, I guess I cannot make that decision. I guess I don't have the capability of thinking through this problem and contributing. And my whole practice with College Confidence is to uplift that voice, is to show adults, get out of the way. Right. <laughs> get out of the way because they're coming. And when you allow that, when you allow um, the path of these conversations, and at first teens stumble upon it, like, oh, you're, oh, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to think through this. It's, um, it's incredible. The, 
the thought, the innovation, the creativity, the reflection, um, it's there. We just haven't, like this district, we haven't opened that door. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I could see districts also saying, let's hear from the parent community on the side. You know, but let's really focus on who are our people. Our people were the students that we raised in our high school, <laughs> right? right? We taught these students, we need to ask them. Right. So, yeah, a huge miss there for me. Can I ask you something too along that lines? So confidence, the work that you do is to instill confidence, not just in the students, but also in the parents. It's kind of a combination that you work at when you're, when you're working through things. And we've talked and had this conversation that confidence is earned by keeping promises and trust and so on, and really connecting with your fundamental beliefs. So when you find that you have parents that are jumping in and making these big decisions for their teens and not allowing their teens to do it, is it more a lack of com confidence in their teens or is it a lack of confidence in their own parent parenting and so they're afraid to turn over and let the process play out? Does that make sense what I'm asking? It totally makes sense and I'm, I'm having a physical reaction of just a deep gut tingle like that. It, it's complex, you know, um, and I'll simple answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> There is a fear, and so that's really the, uh, you know, is it that they, they've had the confidence going in as parents, and then this fear of uncertainty takes over, you know, like what we said, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. I some pushback from my teen, does that mean I'm not doing the right thing? And so then that lack, that loss of confidence starts to happen over a long period of time, and then all of a sudden it's college planning time, and parents are micromanaging, right. which causes a lot of conflict in the home, teens are you know they're they're frustrated and angry they're disconnecting i mean i'm the the problem i have is i just do not believe the myth that teens are supposed to be disconnected from their parents that oh he's teenager they're supposed to hate me or they're supposed to yell at me or be, be disrespectful i'm thinking why are you accepting that mm -hmm. why why are you accepting the loss of an, an emotional connection with your soon to be adult child who's going to be leaving this home Right. So one of the, so yes, so my core is how do I inspire? Cause you know, confidence needs to be earned. I can't just say you need to feel more confident. Right. How do I inspire them to say, I want to earn it back. And one of the things just to share, um, when I was on the high school side, it was, um, and, and my private too, I get, I get, I purposely have parents and teen in the same room for opening day, which I call the assessment. And it's very purposeful. It's to model for the really for the parents that to, to hear maybe for the first time that this teen has a voice. Mm. And so I and also for the teen to say, this is not just your process. I know you want to think that, but this is a whole family decision. Yes, you're gonna ultimately make that decision of your education, but you're supported by these investors, which are your parents, and you're going to emotionally need them. To succeed that first year especially so when i there's a moment because there's this agenda so it's very structured in my head but it's very organic when i deliver it i hear oh parents let's hear what you have to say um and oh i tell them i will definitely ask you guys what you think about this but then i'll completely turn to the team tell me what your thoughts are about college how did you know you were ready what are the feelings that you have 
and parents can't jump in they have to listen and then I'll dig deeper and we have this reflection and I just love some I can see the eyes and the the nonverbal kind of exhale of parents to say I had no idea that you felt this way I had no idea that you were this excited so that's kind of like to me the foundation of working through those the lack of the loss of confidence and maybe to re-earn it and then teens just like growing a little bit I've got stuff to say you know um so yeah so sacred it's it's the core it's core of, of what I do no, it is so, and I love that you, it's so funny because we've talked about this before and what you're saying is so meaningful to me. It really hits the core of who I am too, because it is that we've, we've talked, it's the art of companioning. It's what we're doing now. We're companioning one another and walking through this. You're really companioning me because at this point, because it's, you know, Breck's loss of senior year and so on, but that companioning is so important. And I think there's a difference between companioning and fixing. And that is where confidence is built. It's built in asking the questions that allow your teen, your spouse, your friend to be able to let go and release and have their voice. And guess what you do during that point? You know, offer receptive silence. You may ask some clarifying questions, but you're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to give your opinion because that makes it about you. And I think that's what we forget is that when we jump in, oh, let me tell you this. Or even going back to this, quite frankly, is full circle back to where we started. There is grieving going on. And to jump in and to say, well, they may be losing their senior year, but they're not losing their life, or they're not losing this, or they're not this, or they're not that. That is, there's never been a time in our history of the world that we've lived in. We had 9-11, but that was a different kind of grief. There were people that were personally experiencing it. We were experiencing it as a, as a country, but some of us didn't have personal connection to what was going on, if that makes sense. Whereas this is the first time where everyone's sheltering in place. People are losing graduations. People are losing loved ones. People everyone has a loss. So our tribe, there's no one in our tribe that has been untouched. And so it's very hard to sit back and be that compassionate listener and, and allow someone that moment because we all do have something to contribute it. And you have to trust that process that you will get your turn, but you have to allow someone else to, to have their moment. Yeah. I think as parents, the number, like a tough, I'm going to call it a skill, but is that art of silence? Because, you know, we're so used to, you know, when they're newborns up to toddlers or hugging our legs, like we're constantly, and, and it's appropriate, like, you know, we become the director, like, oh, this is not safe. And this is a reason why it's not safe. So we're so used to talking, but in that teen brain of development, them getting into their, their own selves and practicing their own thoughts required silence and that transition as a parent from directorship to mentorship and guide is tough it's tough for, for parents so we we want to rely on our old school way of parenting where we're just like oh blah, 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 blah. yeah and all of a sudden we're feeling like we fit we're failing because it's like oh, they're not they're not responding to my words anymore what you know they they you know they're locked in the room they're they're leaving they're finding the exit and that's because that the art of silence is the true powerful tool as I, I i believe it 
of raising a teen. No, I think I I agree, and 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 not letting our fear. We've said fear a couple of times, and I think it's worth saying again: not letting our own fears mm-hmm. start to color their experiences. You know, again, we at some point have to trust the process, and then stop thinking that yes, there are decisions you can make in life that you can't go back and change. There are a decision to get behind the wheel if you've been drinking. You know, there are some things like that that are that are the hard, fast, let's not even go there. But the majority of decisions, if we stop and think about it, that we get anxious about, so it goes down one path and you have to back up and go down another path. So what? It was a learning experience. I think we get anxious about things that we don't necessarily have to be anxious about, don't you think? I, I to- Exactly, and I, do- I think we also tend to forget, or I'm constantly reminding myself that I am a role model in my home. So how, how I react to fear or anxiety or uncertainty, and especially during this crisis, I am, I have modeled how my children's going to copy that. So if I'm the one like, okay, well, I'm not going to react to my, I'm going to be very careful with my child's fear and be the adult there. But then off on the side, they see me like, oh my God, I can't believe it. My dad's, and you know, whatever that might, they're looking at me responding to my own anxiety. They're, that's role modeling. And, you know, as, our, as their educator to that, I think we have to, I'm just very mindful about whenever I am present in front of them, how am I, <laughs> how am I adjusting to my own noise? Can I practice silence for myself? And I mean, that's really where we should practice first, right? Silence for ourselves, because then we can transfer that and, and then share that power with, with our children and our family members. But yeah. Um, some, I some see. Times. Oh, I, I see. You know, as you're talking, the three words, the three virtues that come to mind are compassion, detachment, and then purposefulness in the process. Like I think giving ourselves, but also giving our children compassion and compassion looks different than, oh my gosh, are you okay? Let's let's not unpack and go there to a point where we dig deep and everything is, you know, it's like when you're, when your child falls down and they, they skin their knee, distracting them or downplaying it or whatever, that's not the way to go with it either. Oh, if this is nothing and you can apply this to any area, graduation, whatever it is, this is nothing. Okay. No. Going in and going, oh my God, I can't believe you. Are you okay? That's going to freak them out too. But that there is that fine line in parenting of acknowledging and saying, man, that looked like that hurt. I, you're really tough. Thank you for doing Wow, look at you get back up. How can I help you? It looks like it's a little red. Do we? That's a, there's a difference there between the, the panic and the, the going down this, this road. But there's a, you as a parent have to stay detached from the outcome, from the emotion, from the, you know, and just realize that your job, that's companioning right there of acknowledging what's going on, but still helping to see what the next step is and letting them choose to take that. And and there's confidence in that because otherwise you make them feel guilty for having the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And then the last is just that purposefulness of, okay, and this brings us back to, I guess, where the conversation started and maybe we can um, think about how to sort of sum that up is we have this purposefulness that we have to commit to, which is, okay, we can listen to our seniors with compassion. 
we have to separate our feelings a little bit and really hone into what they're doing and companion what they need moving forward. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. So some of these celebrations may be up in the air a little bit. We can have the discussions and have fun with those discussions until we see it clarify. But then having the flexibility and the purposefulness to commit to, we are doing something. Don't know what it is yet, but we are doing something. And then be true to your word, be good to your word, that that is going to play out because that will be healing and that gives hope and that gives purpose moving forward. I mean, on point, on point. And that art of companioning is something that you've taught me in terms of the term. It's something that I've lived by, but I have. I think it's such an empowering thing that, you know, when we can, sometimes when we can label it, it's just a tangible thing that I can <laughs> get. And that is like my, my whole core with working with parents. It's, yes, it's been such a sacred moment to enter this family unit and help them navigate this, but it's because the parents have not been able to detach. Yes. They just didn't, they didn't hone in on those skills. They need to be, I mean, it's not, these are, these are skills that don't come natural. It's you no. know, work at it. Right. And so because of their inability to know how to detach and it becomes very emotional, they'll have me come and I, and then I'll help them or, or model the companion, companion being peace. But I so want the parents to do that because I've been able to do that with my teen and how incredibly rich the, our relationship Became, became through the, the work, through the silence, and the pace that we went through in terms of college planning, our emotional connection was absolutely strong and centered when I was, when it was time for me to let her go. Yes. And I want every parent to have that. You know, I don't want them to leave, have their children leave in complete fear. Oh my God, are they going to be okay? I need to yeah. call their, I need to call the resident assistant every weekend to see like, why isn't he answering my texts? Yes. <laughs> So, and then maybe just for going back to your senior, Hillary, um, and that, yeah, I mean, we're, we're settling with the here and now, but are there any confusion or questions ab about what's happening? Because May 1st is in a couple of weeks. Yes. Maybe you have June 1st, I'm not sure, because families can call and ask for the extension to submit their deadline, but where are you guys now in that conversation? You know, I, I confused. So really, truly, I mean, I love that we really talked about the, the emotional side, right? Now, what's the practical side? And the practical side is, you know, he's been accepted to all the colleges he wanted to. He's really narrowed in on what he thinks is going to be his fit. Even that is hard because he didn't get to have a, an in-person visit. Like we, we, we went about apply to all these colleges, then we'll narrow it down, then we'll financially have, you know, choose three to, to go visit because that made more sense financially. Mm -hmm. And now, um, and my son is not someone who enjoys online learning at all. He's a very tactile, I think you even know he went to a school last year for a semester. You only can go for a semester and it was all kinesthetic learning. It was all outdoor learning. And that is just 100% essentially who he is. So he has, I would actually go so far as to say fear about what happens if this is online and then practically speak because we're talking about colleges and i'd love to hear what you've heard but i've heard there are a lot of colleges preparing for a second wave and thinking of having online for the fall semester 
And he's like, mom, I can't spend the money for it. Do I commit to college? Do I defer? I'd rather go to Moore Park, which is our junior college near here and spend way less money and do only a couple classes, work more, save more. Uh, and then he looks at, you know, GCU is another school that he was uh, um, admitted to that has a really big online presence in addition to an amazing campus. And he has scholarships for there financially does it make sense to commit there instead because they have they have their act together on both ends and financially so that's mm -hmm. it's like even though his heart wants to go to colorado is that really does he let his heart lead him do we like ah <laughs> um so all of that i mean it's it's confusing for even college admissions. Every day we're in this, um, so I'm in an association where it's college admissions people, high school people, independents, we're all in this conversation of what's going on today. And every day the circumstance is changing and evolving. So it's even confusing for us on the professional <laughs> side. And yeah, we have been hearing that um, just a few colleges have announced their transition for an online experience for fall. Um, and then even, you know, for my daughter, who's out of state, Utah. Right. We're thinking about, do you go back? I mean, are we going to pay that money for, an, and, and the, um, they're, they weren't prepared for online. So the quality of their online courses are like, <laughs> yeah. Great. And so like for summer, we're thinking, get your GEs at Moore Park, but she has to get approval from Utah. So I think that the, a really great step um, is to, you know, it's a family meeting. And I like to use tangible things to, keep, to help keep emotions at bay. So for example, I created a chart. I give it to all families. I'm going to share it with you. Thank you. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's important. It's not, it's a personalized chart of things that are important to the family. So it's there, your son might say, this is important to me. Um, what is it about Colorado that really speaks to the heart? whatever that might be, is it the academic program? Is it the sense of being out of state and far from home? Um, the greenery, whatever that might be, right? And then, and then parents, we get our own factors. <laughs> we get, what's the cost gonna be like? Um, how much, like if, there, if there's another crisis, can we afford to get you right away? <laughs> so cost of trans transportation, um, we wanted to know, because this is such an, like an, a parent thing, what's their rate of, um, you can have a, L average salary from after she graduates, um, graduation uh, rates, like how many graduate within four years. So we had that kind of that and we put it all together in one universal chart. And we each got our charts and we got to write our notes, our own personal notes of why these things were important to me. And then we all agreed on a family meeting, which was positive. It wasn't like the family meeting, but it was like, let's, I, I like, let's hear each other out. Um, so we sat at the table and we will hear my notes. This is what I'm concerned about. This is what's important to me, said Bella. And out of that came some, a vision, like it seems like this college is speaking or this path for, for you because it's deferment, transfer, or taking a risk and going to Colorado. This see, it, you see the light a little bit better, you know? Um, so that I guess would be my next suggestion is how do we make it the confusion control it a sense of control by seeing some data that's important to every family member i like that really tuning in with our our values uh, on a practical side 
it's been so long since I've been in college because this is our first. Mm -hmm. So is there a repercussion to, um, let's say accepting at Colorado State, but then withdrawing, like if we find out it is gonna be online, can you withdraw last minute or, or are there big, big repercussions for that? So what happens is when you do submit your intent to enroll and it's still the rule that you can only do it to one, you can only submit one intent to enroll form. Um, if you change your mind, you, just, you lose that deposit. So there is, with that intent to enroll, there's a deposit fee. It can range, but I think the average is a couple hundred-ish dollars. And if you change your mind, they keep that. So that is the that is the the consequence. So you could say to the family, well, you know, that couple hundred dollars to save your seat is worth it, right? And I think right now it's a valid conversation to have with admissions. Like we are all in if this is in person, right? But what are you guys going to do if it's if it's converted to online? We're going to change our mind, and you shouldn't hold us, you know, and our money because of that. That's something that right. we control so and, and I don't know what colleges are doing in response to that um, in terms of the intention role but definitely something that you can ask for with admission well and that's such a great idea but you said you know going to more more park is something that I feel like we can probably do last minute making that decision and that switch but the big decision really is between GCU and and Colorado State because GCU he has real scholarship money like well, I mean, both of them scholarship, but Colorado State is just still so expensive. And there's so many private backing people in GCU that you end up like, honestly, it's so affordable from that standpoint uh, that I look at it and I'm like, man, I mean, if we go back on it and make that decision later, that scholarship money is probably all gone. Although maybe that's another question and say, look, if we come back to you later, is that scholarship money off the table now? Is that is that a rude question to ask? Nope, nothing is a rude question to ask. <laughs> You're protecting your family and what's that right choice? So you can ask, you know, maybe it's the framing of the question is, we want to consider how, how long will the scholarship be protected for my son? You know, or if, if your son was to call like, I need to, know. and then of course we need to know if those that scholarship rolls over every year for four years, or because one thing is like they'll really lure a family with this amazing scholarship package, but you don't see it times four, and yes. so then your student is there for the second year, and then the scholarship pulls, and now you're with that private scholarship or that private um, college tuition, and it's like it would have been cheaper at you know Colorado State. We don't know, but um, the other thing too. So definitely can, and I, I think I, with GCU, there is more flexibility that I know of compared to other universities where they could probably hold out a little bit longer. But are there, with the COVID um, situation, unique ex, um, circumstances have come. So community college, I, I'm thinking that there's gonna be an influx of people going to community college. Yeah. And they are going to have to have a priority list where it's not a walk-in and an open enrollment. We may see ourselves and our, st our students having longer wait times to get into classes that they need. So it's just something to consider is right. they all had to convert to enroll. Some of their programs, um, certificate programs, et cetera, had to be cut. And so they're probably saying, okay, don't worry, our summer enrollment will be for you guys to help recover. 
Um, so that's going to really kind of put a demand on the community colleges. I, I don't know. I'm forecasting. I'm forecasting. No, I think that you're right. And actually, in general, this is a conversation for another day because I feel mm -hmm. like we could probably have a three-hour conversation about this one. But I think that college as we know it is going to change and probably needs to change because of COVID. I mean, we needed a bit of a readjustment with the demand on families, uh, finances and everything else going on. So I, I think that this is, I think we're going, going to see a change in how college is approached. I'm not sure what that will be all in general, but it's, it's kind of crazy that it's hitting right now. Uh, but it might be a positive change for families and for, again, the stress we have. I know I'm opening up a new can, can of worms, so we'll, we'll put a pin in it for another conversation, but we've had this conversation about the stress we see families under, the stress we see teens under, the financial strain, the, the right college at the right time, the right this, the right, and I think we're going to I think we're gonna see some adjustments going on right now, Sonia, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We're all talking about it on the, the college admission side. Um, so, you know, I, I, so we'll just end it with, you know, with your son. And to me, it's in terms of maybe getting more clarity, it's definitely the financial investment, but then who are the, to me, it's like, who are the people that are gonna be in his life for the next step? So faculty is what students or what families invest in. And his, the number of touches, the accessibility to the faculty who are going to be in the um, profession that he really wants to explore, that's really why we go to college. Right. You no, know? and so it's not just, oh my God, you're gonna have the best time of your life. Well, no, not any, I mean, I know that was old school thinking. No, the job market. Like, so. If, if GCU is saying, we have these faculty completely aligned with what you're interested in, and, you're, and the family is gonna invest less in your, your bachelor's degree, you know, he can go to Colorado State for um, graduate school. Right, right. And those two things are really, and, and he's, he feels pretty excited about the campus. Those three ingredients are, you know, that would form some clarity to me, like, why, why not? <laughs> you know, like, and Colorado State being a more public university, sometimes you have to really fend for yourself to get those resources. So anyways. That's, no, great, great advice. I mean, I think, I think the takeaway from our conversation really, to me, what I'm hearing is, and hopefully this is the thing that can be applied out there for those listening in on the conversation is don't be afraid to have the conversation and don't be afraid to have the conversation with your team. And don't be afraid to be transparent about what it is that you want, what your family values are. Don't listen to the outside world with what is more prestigious or what is this or what is that. What fits the needs of your family, your family values, your child's future, really listening and, and taking a second to have that receptive silence to what they need to feel in the moment that they are being honored being listened to, being respected, and then giving them hope for what their, their choices are for the future. That's, that's really kind of my takeaway from this conversation. Yeah, I mean, you're, it's perfectly said. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, so beautiful and um, what a way, to, like, we could do a marathon conversation, Hillary. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love talking to you and, and I hope, 
it's it's just if i mean really we're someday we're just gonna you know go away for a weekend or something and just sit and have these walks and talks mm -hmm. and conversations but in the meantime i'm so grateful that you've taken this time it does take a village it really does and it takes having the people in your life that you can reflect with and be honest with and thank you so much for being that person for me i'm i'm so grateful it's just an honor and it's sacred to me and the reason why we started this is that we want to welcome we want to grow that village so i know it's just you and me today but i, would, I think i speak for you as well would love comments and suggestions and shares and you know um, the more that we can grow this village the more that we can just understand what it is to be inspired to earn that confidence to see you know what can come afterwards in terms of self of being um having a personal growth you know making those decisions for ourselves and our family so thank you so much thank you too i hope that we all are looking at the day and living inspired how about you sister oh my gosh can't wait it's a little hot but that's all right i'm still gonna go out there and get some sun <laughs> absolutely thank you for your time thank you too you have a good one see you next you time too.